Uh, today's reading is from Romans 5, 6 to 8. My name is Sissy, and my friend here is Austin. I'll be reading in Chinese, and Austin will be reading in English. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we are still sinners, Christ died for us. This is the word of the Lord for us. Thanks be to God. Good morning, everyone. Uh, my name is Jim Shen. Uh, I just noticed uh, today we have uh, several first visitors. Uh, I remember first time I came to this congregation is in 2004. At that time, I was a seeker. Then in 2007, I was baptized in this church, and in 2013, elders asked me to join them. My first response is, no, I'm not qualified. And they told me, your response of not qualified actually is the evidence of your qualification. Then uh, I joined the elders group. <clears throat> um, my wife is Joanne Chen, uh, she's here, and later he will come on the stage uh, to share a story from our family. Our daughter is a junior in college, right now she is in the U.S., and our son uh, just graduated from high school and uh, will be a college student in about a month. During the last three Sundays, Chris, Cam, and Eric gave us messages based upon Deuteronomy chapter 31 and 32. Um, the entire Deuteronomy uh, consists of three sermons Moses gave to Israelites at the end of the 40 years of journey in the wilderness. Um, in the Deuteronomy 31 and 32, Moses wanted to give the very last teaching again because he know he's approaching the end of his life. At that time, he was 120 years old. <clears throat> Even though he know his people will turn away from God and become corrupt, but he insists uh, he wanted to recite the words from the song and teach to the whole assembly. So that happened uh, 3,300 years ago. In 50 AD, to teach and uh, shepherd Corinthian church, Paul also used the lesson learned from these 40 years in the wilderness as warnings uh, to the Corinthian and also to us. 
So first, I'd like to read a few verses from Paul's letter to Corinthian church. That's First uh, Corinthians chapter 10, 1 through 11, warning from uh, Israel history. For I do not want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers and sisters, that our ancestors were all under the cloud and that they all passed through the sea. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They all ate the spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them, and that rock was Christ. Nevertheless, God was not pleased with most of them. Their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Now, these things occurred as examples to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. Do not be idolaters as some of them were. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulging in um, rivalry. We should not commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 of them died. We should not test Christ as some of them did and were killed by snakes. And do not grumble as some of them did and were killed by destroying angel. Those things happened to them as example and were written down as warnings for us on whom the combination of ages has come. Um, the warnings Paul wrote to uh, Corinthian, I believe, apply to us today. He lists four types of sin. I put a table together uh, doing the comparison of what Israelites did 3,300 years ago in the wilderness versus what we are doing sometimes now. Same type one, idolatry. We remember they worship idols such as golden calf. And today, many times, we put our career, our education, our family ahead of God. Same type two, immorality. In the wilderness, Israelites had sexual immorality. Today, we have that too. We also have uh, other immorality like pornography. Sin type three, pride. Israelites showed their pride by testing God. Today, the way we're showing our pride has many forms, such as fault-finding, harsh spirit, assumption before God, and a superficial heart. Same type four, unthankfulness. We remember Israelites grumbled a lot in the desert. Today, oftentimes, we have bitterness and worry. So this beginning of uh, message is quite discouraging. It's quite discouraging. Um, 
it's more discouraging to me is uh, those Israelites who died in the desert are among those who walked under the crowd and through the sea, among those who ate the spiritual food and drank the spiritual water. So naturally today, the question to all of us here is how a Christian can have sanctified life. Um, what is uh, our power? Because many times we feel powerless. What is the anchor? Sometimes we don't know what to hold on. What is the, the hope? Warnings, checklists like this table, and our own effort are helpful, but not decisive and fundamental. The decisive and fundamental power of achieving sanctified life is revealed in the book of Titus. <clears throat> can we have a next slide? Yeah. So can we read these two verses together? Because I feel very encouraged by this passage. One, two, three, go. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. So this passage clearly pointed out the grace of God not only offer us salvation, which we are very clear about, but also, but also teaches to have a holy life. <clears throat> so all of us here, or most of us here, have experienced the grace which God demonstrated us during our salvation. In my case, that is 10 years ago. In some of your case, it happened, it may happen 20, 30, 40 years ago. I don't know how today you feel about the grace you received at a time. Sometimes I feel that it's not that flesh anymore. So that's why today I like to lead all of us here to have a close look at the amazing grace again. So by definition, grace is undeserved love and unmerited favor. When I was a kid, we were called to learn from few heroes as our role model. I remember, I think some of uh, Chinese here, if you're at a similar age as mine, you remember Chairman Mao asked us to learn from Lei Feng. Lei Feng is a soldier in the 50s. He loved to help others. For example, he helped ladies by carrying his bag. He visited elementary schools to mentor kids, and he also helped his fellow soldiers to how, how to read and write. So that uh, was a role model for us during uh, my childhood. Government also heavily promoted several soldiers who died in the combats by sacrificing their lives. 
such as uh, Huang Jiguang and uh, Chou Saoyun. <coughs> so for a long time, we viewed the actions demonstrated by those heroes as the most honorable behavior. But today I have to say they're not grace. So what is grace? Actually, grace is very well described in the verses we just read today. But I think we should read again. Rome chapter 5, 6, 7, and 8. You see, at, the right, at just the right time, when we still powerless, Christ died for ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. Where we are still sinners, Christ died for us. When we, as a sinners, actually deserve God's rest, instead God gave us eternal life and welcomed us into his house. When we, as a sinners, mocked, tortured, and crucified Jesus, Jesus willingly put on those things on himself and died on the cross. So that's why we call God's grace is amazing grace, amazing grace. <clears throat> at least uh, three effects of grace. Let's take a look at it. For grace giver, grace is very costly. For grace resistor, it is very threatening. For God, for grace receiver, it is transformative. Uh, in May, just a few months ago, I went to Jerusalem. I walked on the road called Via Delle Rosa. I don't know if uh, Rick, you walked on the alley. Uh, actually, now it's a small alley. Uh, that's in Hebrew. When we translate the name of the road into English, it should be Road of Sorrow. There are 14 stations on this road. Station one and two, try by Pilate. Jesus, the only judge on earth, actually judged by us. Station three, seven, and eight, where Jesus fell three times. Station four, five, six, and eight, Jesus encountered his loved one, including his mother, and, he's, and that uh, sympathetic young man who carried the cross for Jesus for the second half that uh, long journey. And station 10, Jesus was humiliated. Jesus, station 11 and 12, Jesus was crucified. And at end 13 and 14, Jesus was buried. <clears throat> So, when I walked through this uh, road of sorrow, I cried. I tried to feel a little bit of what Jesus felt on that road. But I realized 
I can only feel a fraction of it, only a fraction of it. The cost of grace, even though sometimes we take as granted, is huge, is much, much higher than we can imagine. So that's why we say to grace giver, grace is very costly, is very costly. To understand grace is unbelievable, threatening, and transformative. One of the best examples is from novel and the musical and the movie, Les Miserables. <clears throat> so the main character of uh, this novel uh, is uh, Jean Valjean, sentenced to uh, 19 years of tough labor just for stealing a bread, Vajan gradually heartened into a tough convict. At last, Vajan earned his release. But at that time, every convicts need to carry their IDs. So when Vajan walked on the village road, knocked on the doors of the inn, the innkeepers won't allow him to spend nights because he is too dangerous. Finally, he come to the bishop's house. Bishop let him in. So the next thing is when two of them sit down at the table, the bishop who was sitting near him touched Jean Valjean's hand gently and said, you need not tell me who you are. This is not my house. This is a house of Christ. It does not ask any comer whether he has a name, but whether he has affliction. You are suffering, you are hungry and thirsty. Be welcome. What need have I to know your name? Besides, before you told me, I know your name is brother. So that's unbelievable grace. Offer acceptance, forgiveness, and love to a sinful person. However, grace sometimes can be very threatening. Vajan realized that if he accepts this grace, he has to surrender. What he has to surrender? Because for a long time, he justified his criminal acts by believing the whole world hid him, hate him and that the whole world owned to him everything. So if he accepts this grace, he has to surrender his way and his justification. He has to change. So his first reaction is he want to push back this grace by another terrible wrongdoing. So during midnight, he rose from bed. He stolen the silvers from a cupboard and sneak out the bishop house. Next morning, Three policemen knocked 
on the bishop's door with uh, Vajan in tow because they caught Vajan in a fight when Vajan having those silvers. So please come here, just need a confirmation from bishop. Then they can put Vajan into jail for life. Bishop's response is something no one can expect. So here you are, he cried to Vajang. I'm delighted to see you. Have you forgotten that I gave you the candlestick as well? They're silver like the rest, and was a good 200 francs. Did you forget to take them? Jean Vajang's eye have whitened. He was now staring at this older man. Don't know how to say. So later of the story or the musical or the movie, uh, the novel, uh, I think most of you know, the power of this act of the grace transformed Jean Valjean. He become a hero who adopts, loves, and takes care of a young girl who lost her mother. So today I'd like to try something different. I think uh, Dave just distributed uh, some of the lyrics from the music. I extracted from the song called Who, What Have I Done into three parts. Um, I'd like to see if uh, all of us can put ourselves into Jean Valjean's situation, and that's why, um, okay, so one, two, three. maybe this session will read part one, and uh, this session will part together with this one, uh, combined and read part two, and the rest of you will read part three, okay. Put your emotion into it. Believe your Jean Valjean, actually we are. I think if you remember how God saved us, our struggle in midst of that, or at least you can believe you are the actor, okay? Put an emotion on it. <clears throat> So here is a part one. One, two, three, go. Yet, why did I allow that man to touch my soul and teach me love? He treated me like any other. He gave me his trust. He called me brother. My life he claims for God above. Can such things be? For I have come to hate the world. This world had always hated me. Part two, one, two, three. One word from him and I will be back. Beneath the lash, under the rack. Instead, he offers me my freedom. I feel my shame inside me like a knife. He told me I have a soul. How does he know? 
What spirit comes to move my life? Is there another way to go? Part three. Okay, we need to be louder because we have a few people. One, two, three. I'm reaching, but I fall. And the night is closing. And I stare into the void, to the whirlpool of my sin. I will escape now from the world, from the world of Jean Valjean. Jean Valjean is nothing now. Another story must begin. Okay, um, after this song, the bishop responded in this way. By the passion and the blood, God has raised you out of the darkness. I have bought your soul for God. Today, when we revisit God's grace, not only the grace we received saved us, but also, I'd like to point it out, we are entering this amazing grace, and at this moment, we are under this grace now. Why we believe so? Uh, let's take a look at uh, these two verses. One is from Rome 6.14. For sin should no longer be your master, because you are not under the law, but under the grace. Also, Romans 5.2. Through Jesus Christ, we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand and we boast in the hope of glory of God. This Rome 5.2, this verse actually is very interesting. It seems to us we have three stages. First stage, salvation. Then we live our daily life. Then second, the third one is the second coming of Christ. This verse jumped over our daily life from the beginning, which is our salvation, right to the hope of Jesus' second coming. Oftentimes, we ask this question, because we are in this middle stage, what about now? What about the mistake I just made? What about the temptation I, at this time, facing? What about the suffering I'm experiencing? The answer, as well as the great news, is we are standing in the midst of this amazing grace. I'd like to invite my wife, Joanne, to share a story. Uh, James, um, he read uh, the Titus um, um, chapter 2 um, from verse 11 to um, 12. Actually, um, when I was reading it, he asked me to read it. <laughs> when I read it, actually, I read the whole um, chapter. Um, actually, the verse behind it just caught my attention. Uh, I'm going to read it for you guys. So verse 11 was, For the grace of God has appeared, 
that offers salvation to all people. It teaches to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. And verse 13 says, while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. Wait. Wait was the, the word suddenly caught my eyes and my attention. And I, and I was like thinking, actually, what, what are we doing here? Um, I thought we were uh, going, but actually we're waiting. So um, I have a story. Um, I think at that time, um, God just uh, put this picture um, inside of me. And it's a, it's a story about waiting. Ten years ago, um, James and I um, decided to make a trip to Cambodia, just two of us. At that time, um, our children, uh, our older one uh, was 12, and younger one, Chris, um, he was eight at that time. And we thought, oh, the older one just turned 12. So legally, in America, we can leave her alone at home. So we decided, okay, yeah, we're going to take a trip for just two of us. Um, so we picked weekdays, uh, Monday to Friday, because we thought, you know, they can still go to school and they uh, live a normal life. Uh, the only difference would be uh, when, we, uh, w when they uh, come back to home, um, there were no parents, but just two of them. So we left. And um, so um, their days were normal. Um, but when, when they came back, uh, something changed. So um, my daughter, she's 12. She's a very strong person. And... Um, very bossy at that time. So Chris um, didn't like her, um, <laughs> would not play with her. Uh, Chris has his own friends um, who are nice to him. So two children were not close. But um, the time we were gone, um, they decided for some reason, they just felt that they have this need for each other. Um, after school, they didn't uh, stay at, behind to play with their friends. They um, took the uh, school bus home together, and they um, uh, stayed inside the house, and they played together. Uh, they did homework together. They ate together, watched TV together. They even went to the bathroom together. <laughs> <laughs> they were together all the time. Um, when uh, another thing uh, was um, they start to be super nice to each other, uh, much kinder. I think when um, us, the parents, were gone, they realized that um, when they came home, they realized that they had each other. That's the only family member they had. And um, they start to be nice to each other. And... Um, so when we came back from our vacation, we were so um, encouraged and so surprised. We were saying, we, should, we probably should take trips like this more often <laughs> and just leave them home. Yeah. So when, when I was um, reading this weight, 
um, I just felt, you know, God is um, telling me that, you know what, you guys are not going anywhere. I feel like I'm doing things, I'm going, I'm going to meet, you know, going to see Jesus. Actually, we're um, like living our daily life, but actually we're waiting, just like my children. For five days, they were actually waiting for us to come back. And um, so um, I think what I learned is um, we should, as we're waiting here, um, this earthly life, we should, God's children should be um, much kinder and nicer to each other and be together, gather, and be together, stick with each other. And I think it's not just church, like CCC. I just feel it's like all God's children at this age, this time of age should gather together and be kinder and nicer to each other. Yeah, so that's my sharing. Okay, thank you. You can take that. Yeah, so I, I mean, have an engineering background. When I, when I realized uh, our daily life have challenges and, uh, and problems, and I like to figure out the solutions, to-do list, and this and that, and actually, when I was preparing for this message, I was walking into that direction. But for some reason, I just cannot go through. You know, the, the message cannot come together. Finally, I realized, well, we just need to go back to the grace which God gave to us for the first time and grab on that and live in midst of that. Then to end, I have a, a fiction story. It's not a, a real. Imagine all of us uh, right now are drawing uh, in, a t in a rough seat. We are going to die. We are going to die. <clears throat> all of a sudden, we saved by life boy through by Jesus. Wow, you know, we saved. We hand on this uh, life boy. And also, Jesus told us, swimming to the shore over there, where you are going to have everything, clothes, food, shelters, and family, and him. So now, we have swam for a while. We attempt to buy the things along the way. We are tired. Sometimes we wanted to give up. Then this voice reminds us how lucky you are. You are rescued. Now you have this live boy. For sure, you are going to reach the shore, that destiny. So with that, uh, I think uh, today we have uh, several pictures. Because again, for grace, I don't want to do a lot of uh, theology teaching. I try, you know, if you are interested in that novel and the musical, uh, lay 
Miss Robley, you can watch again. And now Joanne has this image. Kids are working. Nice shadow are waiting for parents to come back. I have this image. I'm swimming. And sometimes I even feel this life buoy is really troublesome, you know. I can swim better or faster without that. But remember, first time when we join, we almost die. And this has saved us. And with that, we're going to reach the shore. So this is the picture I have. With that, um, I'm going to close with a prayer. Let's bow our head. Father in heaven, thank you for your amazing grace. You designed the grace from the beginning, the beginning of this universe. We all remember how we are saved by this wonderful grace in the first place. Now we thank you for this grace again. We're now standing in the middle of that. We also remember that you tell us, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. We pray that this grace will encourage us, will teach us to live a sanctified life. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.